0: It's time for yet another podcast uh, where the Yap members get together and agree, disagree, possibly gouge each other's eyes out. Yap versus Yap, as we call it. Pleased to be once again joined by fellow Yappers, Alec Toombs and Omar Brito. How are you guys doing? Good, thanks. Good, good, good morning, Chris. So as much as I like being with you guys, and it's such a pleasurable experience, we've been thinking about this idea. I've actually had this idea for a podcast for really for like three or four years. It's movies that we love but they are hard to watch um and what that means is just what it sounds it's like it's a good movie it's a movie we respect um but it's not the sort of movie that you watch over and over again because either because the material is the, the, the thematically it, it's tough or it's just it disturbs you on some personal level um so it's not a movie that you've necessarily watched over and over again because it is just a hard watch um so, one movie, when I, when I was first coming up with the idea for this, the movie, w- which was then fairly recent, that really kind of sparked the idea for it was a movie um, called 127 Hours. And this is, of course, based on a true story Danny Boyle movie uh, with James Franco. Um, Do I have that right? Which of the Franco brothers was it? It was James. James. One of the Franco's James. brothers. Yep. Uh, true story about a uh, like a hiker trapped uh, in a. In a area while he's hiking all alone and has to end up cutting off his own arm to free himself that movie i remember when it came out this is right after danny boyle uh, won the oscar for slumdog millionaire um i, I might even have been his follow-up movie if my memory serves so I had high hopes for it and i saw it and it just blew me away it was one of my favorite i think i put it as my number one or number two movie of that year um, but it it absolutely died at the box office. No one went to see it. I have not watched it again since, even though I think I have it on Blu-ray. Um, it's just a tough movie for me. I mean, obviously, the you know, I'm not a someone with a weak stomach for movies, uh, for gory stuff. But just because it's such emotionally tough, of him in there with this, you know, he's trapped and, you know, he realizes he's going to have to do something extreme to save his own life. It's just, it's a movie that I love, but. Man, I, I'm not sure if I'll ever watch it again. You uh
1: seem to respond to that movie a lot better than I did. I uh admired Franco's performance and thought it was probably better than the movie itself. Yeah. But I so I probably wouldn't watch
0: it again just because I wasn't as hot on it as yeah. you but Omar, I don't know if you had any reaction to that one. Or you probably didn't um, even see it because like most people did not.
2: Oh no, I I'm a huge Danny Boyle fan. I'll watch anything he does. Uh I'm less so of a James Franco fan, but I did watch it. I think uh, uh, did he use a pocket knife <laughs> or something?
0: Yeah, or like a you know, like a like a yeah. uh, uh, folding knife. Um. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, uh, maybe I might not watch it again just because maybe I wasn't enthralled with it. Not because of the the content, you know. I think I, I, if I'm going to rewatch a Danny Boyle film, I, there's dozens more I'd rather watch than that one. So yeah, yeah, I didn't really do it for me. I mean, I, I think I've, I think maybe just uh, Franco's performance was good, but it just wasn't something I want to go back to.
0: Okay.
2: Well, Omar, what's uh, what's the movie from your list? Um, <clears throat> one of the movies I picked was uh, Under the Skin. Yeah. It's, uh, is it? Uh, let me see. Two thousand thirteen. Uh, Jonathan Glazer. You know he's uh, the director of Sexy Beast, which one of my favorites. I love Sexy Beast. I haven't seen the other one with Nicole Kidman, Birth. Mm. It's, it's, it's his worst movie, in my <laughs> opinion. It's
1: his what? Birth, I think, was uh, Glazer's weakest movie. Okay, in, okay. My, in my opinion.
2: Perfect. But yes, um, so this is a uh, this is a novel. I actually did read the novel. Um, so the movie, I think, is the most famous. And I hate to be crude. But it's just because Scarlett Johansson is fully nude. And um, that's... She has no... You know, I've read articles where um, she felt that that was something that needed to... Uh, she needed to take off her clothes to basically show uh, the character. Um, if you're not familiar with the movie or the book, she is a an alien who... Basically, goes up and down the streets of. Well, in the movie, it's the st- it's in the city. She's in uh, like Glasgow, Scotland. In the novel, she's in the country, countryside. Still same country, but what she does is she picks up hitchhikers. Yeah. So she looks for male hitchhikers who are very athletic and sturdy because she's basically looking for the best the best cut of meat. So yeah. that, that's her job is to harvest meat for her. Uh, she's in. She lives. She's living in this in this planet, but she's sending the, the meat gets sent off world to her home her home planet. So, um yeah. and and then it's kept what, much more circumspect in the movie. Like we don't
0: even really understand. Correct. She just seemed like this strange woman who's going around picking up men and killing them. Um, and it's really not. I really not towards the end of the film do you really get a sense like okay she's actually not human
2: correct and this is a movie where um not much is said not much is said and it's all done you know through the lens basically through the lens uh what's really cool is um i, I wrote down in my notes i wrote the i wrote, I wrote this is like a, a mixture of uh taxi cab confessions meets motel hell yeah <laughs> you know because she's driving around the city and she's just talking to these men, and um, they're basically, depending on what they tell her, she, if in the book, if 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 they're if they have they're married or they have children, she doesn't she doesn't take them. But if they're single, she takes them. But the thing about uh, the movie that I found that was interesting is is a lot of the people in the cars that she's driving around were normal um, non actors. They they uh they installed cameras in the car, and then she spoke to them naturally. And if the scene was good, then they would sign. They'd have the uh, the, the person sign an agreement saying, "Hey, this mm-hmm. is a movie." So I thought that was pretty neat. So it kind of gives the movie like kind of a documentary feel. Yeah, in some parts, um, but in other parts, it's like otherworldly. Uh, the scene where um, um, the the victims are being prepared for their meat. It just blew my mind, and I don't want to see it again. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, there's a haunting scene on a beach with a crying baby. Yeah, it gives me it gives me goosebumps remembering that scene. Uh, but Scarlett Johansson is, I think, she's great for this role because she's an absolute beautiful woman. But this character, she plays it so cold. So emotionalist and throughout the movie you know she's starting to uh, uh kind of have doubts about what she's doing and 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 kind of starts viewing the the meat that she's harvesting as maybe um maybe not maybe they're not as emotionalist or dumb as what she once thought and uh um in the book, which is nice there's actually some themes of uh, meat eaters versus you know, vegans and that kind of, that kind of discussion. But um, yeah, I, I find it to be absolutely beautiful. Uh, cinematography uh, It's very methodically paced. Um, will I watch it again? Probably not. I mean, I read the book. I've, I've kind of have a good, a good, um, I've, I've had enough of that world, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not enough. People have seen it, but I think yeah. they should.
0: Yeah. I, yeah i'm, I'm sorry. sorry go ahead chris uh, i'll just say the one thing about that movie again i've not seen it since um and yeah a movie where scarlett johansson is copiously nude you'd think people would be re-watching it but no it's, it's a tough watch the sequence i remember that disturbed me the most was that she ends up meeting this man who has some kind of physical deformity yeah. um and obviously he's extremely vulnerable not the sort of guy um, who is used to attractive women talking to him or hitting on him or anything like that. And, you know, uh, uh, I thought it was, like, done with makeup. And, like, I read afterwards that was, like, a real non-actor that they found, which brought up all these sorts of conflicting emotions about the making of the movie and what's in the movie. But, yeah, I, I agree. The movie's a brilliant movie. Tough to watch. Alex? Yeah. I own the Blu-ray. And I haven't watched it since I saw it in the
1: theater. Um, there are visuals in that movie that are going to stick with me for the rest of my life. He brought up the baby on the beach, and I flashed back almost a decade ago to seeing the movie. So,
2: yeah, it uh, it packs a punch for sure. Yeah, is your DVD right. unopened, or is it still? Is it still? Un- uh,
1: I think I, I I unwrapped the Blu-ray, <laughs> okay. but uh, the Blu-ray. I, I haven't uh, haven't popped it in the player.
0: Oh God, I have so many unopened blu-rays and (laughs) even dvds i'm ashamed of alec what's uh what's one from your list i could probably just talk about both of mine together uh
1: because they kind of pair nicely or not so nicely together and speaking of owning things on physical media and not watching them i own both of these movies and i'm not throwing them on on a friday night when i want to hang out and watch a movie uh my movies are steven spielberg's schindler's list and terry george's hotel rwanda um just seeing the uh, atrocities visited upon people who don't deserve them. I think the movies are brilliant. I think the movies are beautiful. Uh, It's just hard to watch them for
0: sure.
1: Yeah. Not like Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not going to make out through Schindler's list or anything, (laughs) but uh, I just, I don't know for me. uh, I might've seen Schindler's list two times, maybe three in the, in the 30 or so years it's been out just, uh, a tough sit, despite being one of my favorite filmmakers' best films.
0: Yeah, um, I would agree on both of those. I have seen Schindler's List several times, but not recently. I don't think I've watched it in probably about fifteen years. I think Hotel Rwanda was one I saw when it came out, and I don't think I've seen it since. Again, I mean, I think those are tough movies thematically because it's about, you know, it's not an alien killing humans it's not you know supernatural events hurting humans it's humans hurting humans um not just in a uh like you know mean spirit or you know greedy way but just like you know genocidal this this thing of you know you and everyone like you needs to not exist um and obviously just anything like that with you know that brings up like you know nazism or maoist china or anything like that just you know the greatest evils visited upon the human history yeah, it just, it, it, it just sort of like plucks, reaches right in your chest and grabs your heart. And it's just like, you know, this evil that cannot be. Yeah, those are great examples. Omar, you have any thoughts on those?
2: Yeah, I think I want to go a little different. I'm going to say that uh, uh, Ray Fines, that's, I mean, that's, that's who I remember when I think of Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of Ray Fines being um, just very scary, but, a very, uh, you know, just commanding the screen. He was—he uh, was the character that I don't know. I just when I think of that movie, I think of him. Even though I don't think of the uh, Liam Neeson very much, <laughs> there's just something about what Ray Fines did in that in that role that was uh, this. Uh, but, but I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I saw it in the theaters. So That's probably one of the, um, one of the movies that we're one of the movies on this list that we, we're going to talk about that I think I've saw in the theaters um, Hotel Rwanda. I saw it uh, probably uh, diminished the impact of it because I saw it at home. I saw it on, on like a rental, uh, but both those films, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not gonna watch them again. Uh, th- th- there was something related to Hotel Rwanda that occurred recently. Did, did, did the, the, the main character, the person that Don Cheadle played, did that character recently pass away? I think I might have seen a real, a real world event. So it's like, because suddenly Hotel Rwanda was in, was in the news a couple weeks ago. And I huh. thought maybe it had something to do with, with his character.
1: If that happened, I missed
0: it. Unfortunately. But, uh,
2: okay. All right. Omar, what's, what's one
0: from your, another one
2: from your list. Uh, Sure. Um, I guess I'll do uh. 2000, 2000 Requiem for a Dream. Hmm. I remember that movie. Um, you know why I remember that movie so well? Because I spent the last ten minutes standing up. Oh wow! I wasn't in the theater, so I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I was visiting a friend uh, over the summer, and we both decided, hey, let's go to Blockbuster. "Eh, Let's rent this movie. Um, I'd been a big fan of Aronofsky because I enjoyed. uh, I watched Pie like several dozen times. I thought it was really cool. Um. And um, this movie just—I think if, if if you know you have you have you see how you have a movie where if you if you clip, if you flip to it you'll sit and watch it. Well, th- yeah. I won't sit and watch it. You know, yeah. I won't. You know, this is a movie where um, the style is so—it's. I remember reading it's it, it, the Darren Aronofsky kind of did it like a like a music video with a lot of like a lot of quick jump cuts, right? And, and, the editing
1: and in that movie is wild, for sure. That,
2: and the most iconic thing in that movie are the eyes. Yeah, do you remember that when they'd get high, the eye the pupils would would zoom in and out, zoom in and out. So yeah. there's a lot of eyes in that movie. Um, and I still think Ellen Burstyn should have won the oh, Academy Award that year over Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts won that year for Aaron Brockovich, and I think Ellen Burstyn might had might have had. Uh, uh, Maybe a little bit more uh, Mrs. We more acting to in to do in that in in that movie, um, but yeah. If you don't know the movie, it's about basically it's about addiction. You know, it's the Jared Leto, Marlon Wayans, Jennifer Connelly, um, and Ellen Burstyn plays uh, Jared Leto's uh, mother. So this movie is directed by Darren Aronofsky. It's from a book by uh, Hubert Selby Jr., um, and it's basically about addictions. Uh, and whatever, you know, whatever form that may be. So the Jared Leto and and Marlon Wayans are addicted. They they're like small time hustlers and they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to break out of their, of their, uh, you know, tax bracket. So they, they, they go up to selling heroin, uh, his mother played by Ellen Burstyn, she, Somehow gets it in her head that she's going to be uh, a contestant on a, on a TV show, kind of like The Price is Right. And then she has this fantasy of this red dress that she needs to fit into the red dress. So what does she start doing? She starts taking diet pills. Yeah. So it's basically parallel stories uh, chronicling the downfall of addiction, and it's told from the heroin user's point of view versus the diet pill's point of view. Right. And I remember reading that Aronofsky said, or Darren Aronofsky said, Addiction is addiction. addiction. It doesn't matter. We, we, judge, we might judge Jerry Leto's character worse, but what happens to Ellen Burson, I, uh, the scene when she gets institutionalized, I'm getting goosebumps remembering that scene. Yeah. They put, they put the, the, she has the ECT done. They put the bit in her mouth, and they're, they're zapping her forehead. Do you, guys remember that? Do you guys remember that scene? And people are throwing up, and, and the limbs are being amputated. And um, there's a sex, there's a sex act um, <clears throat> between two women and a bunch of sweaty old men. Okay, I'm, I don't want to talk about that
1: movie. Narrated <laughs> by kidding. David
0: Keith, or at least David Keith's talking about it. David Keith,
2: David Keith,
0: very memorably. Yes, Omar, you're like going into PTSD just thinking about <laughs> it. I think.
2: Well, I love these films that make me feel things. Yeah. Um, and but you know, I think I'm I. I I don't have to watch him again because just talking about him kind of I'm reliving.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's it that because like just just being grossed out. Like I recently watched the movie horror movie Terrifier two, which is being talked about as one of the grossest movies ever, yeah. and you go into that because there's no emotions with that. Whereas I think you you said it exactly right. The reason these films have affected so much is because they make us feel powerfully. They grip us. Um, they manipulate us, and you know we can't. We can't let go. I sincerely
1: believe Requiem should be shown in every high school in America. Like, if you want kids not to do drugs, show them this movie when they're 14 or 15 years old. Um, it, all, it is also part of this subgenre of movies from the era that I love. Bad things happening to Jared Leto. Uh, if you look at Fight Club, he just gets demolished. Uh, yeah. American yeah, think, Psycho, he gets yeah. murdered with an axe. Uh, then red <laughs> line. He pops up and gets machine gunned like immediately panic room. He gets his arm caught in, in a security door. I like watching bad things happen to Jared Leto, even if it is in a uh, very serious and profound movie, such as Requiem
0: for <laughs> a Okay. We got a couple left here. I'm going to do another one. This is also one of the ones that I thought of when I first had the idea for this podcast, which is boys don't cry, which of course is the movie that uh, really made Hillary Swank a star um one of her oscar um interesting movies that you know uh now is is on a topic that you know now you know back then they didn't really talk about transgenderism or things like that um i think they called it like gender dysmorphia or something like that it was very much couched as like a, a mental illness um within the culture that that character lives in not you know her own story or his own story um But yeah, uh, another movie where, you know, just such terrible things happen to this character that is so vulnerable and we end up identifying with. That was the thing, I identified with that character so powerfully, even though he was going through things that, you know, I haven't experienced or really understand. But um, I I think that's what makes movies like that so visceral and so empathetic, is when you can take these characters who are so very, very different from ourselves And you feel powerfully what they feel. Um, uh, Also, again, a movie where there's a rape scene that is just one of the hardest things on film to watch ever. Because it's not like this violent, you know, someone jumps out and beats the crap out of somebody and rapes them. It's more like, almost like a, you know, friends negotiating this encounter where from their, you know, the, the two male characters saw... Uh, him in one way, and now see him in a different way, so they feel like they've got to act as aggressors and just, you know, and then they have like this almost like a conversation afterwards, like they're back to being like bro dudes. I mean, it, it, it's it's just so fucked up. That whole scene, that whole sequence is just so fucked up. Yeah. For movie, some really good performances. I mean, Swank's amazing in the movie.
1: Chloe is really good in the movie. The Attackers, uh, I it, believe it, it was... Uh, Peter Sarsgaard Sars- 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 and Brendan Sexton the Third, both right. actors I've seen a lot of other stuff, and and who are really
2: always reliably good and powerfully so in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. the minute the minute I heard sorry Chris, the minute I heard you say uh Boys Don't Cry, I said uh Brandon Tina, Tina Brandon, Brandon Tina, Tina Brandon. I was like, that's that's that and then I thought of the 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 uh her her or, or his interactions with Chloe Sevigny and the sock, the sock down the front of the pants and all that. Yeah. 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 It's it's a movie. I don't want to watch it.
0: It's a movie that I don't think from the perspective of the transgender community has aged. Well, like they would look at, you know, how people talked about bodies and terms and pronouns and things like that. 23 years ago and it wouldn't fit with the language today. So it's probably not a film that from that perspective has aged well, but for me, the emotions, uh, never, never have never grown any less powerful. All right, Omar, why don't you bring us on home with your last pick? Sure. Thank you. Uh,
2: yeah, my last pick is too. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful little left, like uh 2002 <laughs> irreversible. Um, mm-hmm. I was a, uh, so Gaspar Noe is, uh, very, very, uh, you know, if 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 Howard Stern's a shock jock, then is is Gossard Noe a shock director? I guess I I don't know. You know, he's got you know climax and love and uh, other stuff that escapes me. But I was a, always a huge fan of Vincent Cassell. You know, mm-hmm. I've been a I've been a big fan of Vincent Cassell forever, and um, um, and he actually made this movie with his wife Monica Bellucci. So um, yeah, the the, the I think the what. People remember the his most his wife at the time. I
1: don't think they're together anymore. No,
2: that's correct. That's correct. I think what people, if you ask them, do you know about a reversible? They'll say, "Oh, that's the f- that's the film that is in reverse." So right. the ending is the beginning, and yeah. Um, but one thing that I remember reading is that this there was a only in theaters. So the only the theater goers got this experience. But uh, Noe piped in a like a twenty seven. Hertz audio track.
1: (laughs) We saw the movie in the theater when I was in college. You did did? okay. Me and two of my buddies went and saw it.
2: Oh no, no. So what I read about that that's it's like infrasonic, and what that does—that audio noise actually it induces nausea and Mm. vertigo and sickness. And what they what people use that that noise for is like to to quell riots. So when you're watching the first 30 minutes of the movie if, in certain theaters, you're feeling nauseous and sick. And that's that's intentional because you're going to feel nauseous and sick during the rest of the, of the wow. movie. Wow. So uh, you your movie, Your Poison Cry, uh, had a rape scene. Reverse well, Irreversible has a rape scene that is like never ending rape scene. Yeah. It's
1: either nine minutes or 11 minutes long. Yeah. Yes. Forget which, but it, it's long.
2: Yeah. So, uh, it's, you know, it's basically Monica Bellucci's character's raped, and then Vincent Cassell plays her boyfriend, and um, he and her boy, her, her ex-boyfriend, uh, they try to figure out who was the person responsible for raping Monica Bellucci, and it doesn't really go as well as they want it to go. You know, I think the story is about um, how revenge is futile, you know, and time, time is fleeting. Uh, interesting thing is like 17 years later no uh, released this movie in chronological order i never i didn't see that version of it mm-hmm. i don't know if, did you see that version of it alec
1: no i haven't i probably won't <laughs> you won't, <laughs> you won't. I remember oh, yeah. after seeing the movie in the theater with my buddies we went to steak and shake
2: <laughs> because
1: i'm a monster i was like eating a frisco melt after the movie where one of my buddies was in this booth with his legs curled up like in the fetal position, just yeah. hugging himself, he like he's like I can't eat, I can yeah, I just need some time, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's that's a doozy of a movie. Man. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I think I need another twenty years.
0: Yeah, well, so they talk about we talk about all movies. I like to say all movies are manipulative, and certainly the boy with the audio track, which I did not know about. That talked about the height of manipulation, but I think what ties all these movies together is. Obviously, they're manipulative, and they make you, you know, they they stoke the audience to feel a certain way. But they're doing it in a very empathetic, draw you in kind of way, not trying to just shock for shock's sake. They're not trying to gross you out or do like that. They're trying to make you feel what's happening to the characters in the movies. Um, And because it's these terrible, terrible things that are happening, you feel terrible. But even though a lot of cases these are movies I've only seen one time, I remember them with extraordinary clarity. And to me, that's always, always the ultimate test of how impactful a movie is, is how well I remember it years and years later, even if I've only seen it once. I, I will say this. Hillary Swank, I think, is like the opposite of Jared Leto. I hate seeing horrible things
1: happen to her. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby is a great movie, but I don't really want to watch it again. Yeah. Boys Don't Cry is a great movie, but yeah. I don't really want to watch it again.
0: Yeah, Million Dollar Baby would, would be another good movie to include, include in here. But yeah, it's great. Well, I'll tell you what, I love these movies. I do have a hard time watching these movies. I do not have a hard time uh, watching you guys and talking with you. So thanks once again for joining me. Uh, we always enjoy doing this, and we'll see you next time. See ya.